0: You're listening to a 3CR podcast of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome Welcome
1: to Unemployed unemployed Workers Fight Back. 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 Join your hosts Anne and Kevin, that's me, the second
0: and fourth Friday of each month on The Sewer Show,
1: between 5.30 and 6.30 p.m.
0: Here on 3CR Community Radio.
1: This is a show where we explore macroeconomic solutions
0: for the unemployed and underemployed. Everyone Everyone in in our our community community has value. value.
1: Just heard Slow Jam 1 from the amazing King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Hi, it's Friday, the 8th of January, the first show of the year for Unemployed Workers Fight Back 2021. <laughs> Hi, Anne. How are you doing?
0: Hi, Kevin. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to our listener, Larissa and Larry.
1: <laughs> Welcome back, Larry. Welcome back, Larissa.
0: Our two headed listener, I guess.
1: And uh, we've got a special guest this, this week, Anne.
0: Yes, I I picked this fellow up off the street. (laughs) Yeah? I think he might have a daughter who's a little bit oriented towards understanding the economy through MMT. Have
1: you dragged your dad onto the show, Anne?
0: Ray, welcome to Unemployed Workers Fight Back. Thank you,
1: Anne. Fancy finding you in our spare room.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is the unemployed daughter hanging out in the spare room at the moment.
2: (laughs) Hi, Ray. How
1: are you doing? Uh, G'day, Kevin. Yeah, nice to meet you. So... Where are you, Anne? You've been on holidays.
0: I have, and if I open the door, you would hear the sound of waves in Queensland.
1: (laughs) Excellent, excellent,
0: absolutely beautiful up
1: here. Fantastic. Well, it's nice to get away. It's nice to. This is going to be a bit of a relaxed show today because it's it's kind of like the holiday shows, and and we're not going too jam it too full of. Professors and people who are going to stretch our brains—we're just going to have a bit of a chat about things and then the world in general. Sounds nice. <laughs> Take it slow. So this weekend, I was thinking—I've um, just been sitting here contemplating this—the uh, concept of full funding. That the Australian Office of Financial Management, the AOFM, has this this policy of, mm-hmm. of full funding, and basically what they're saying is that. Whatever the government spends into the economy has to be recouped through taxation. Mm. And if there's a shortfall in taxation, they make up the difference by selling bonds. In an attempt to, to, what what, what do you call it, balance the budget or?
0: Fully uh, fund the spending. It's their specialty, the Australian Office of Financial Management. I had a little brief phone call with the manager there one day and he told me that there's 40 people sitting in a building in Canberra fevering away trying to make sure they sell all these bonds.
1: The, the government sells bonds to make up the shortfall of its deficit in an attempt to balance the books. A- and I find the whole concept rather bizarre.
0: So just for listeners who don't know what bonds are, bonds are like cash that pay interest. That's how I've heard it described. So they're kind of like pretty liquid in the way the cash is but they're different from cash because they also at the end of three years, five years, ten years, whatever if you've got a thousand dollars worth of bonds, you might get a thousand and ten dollars back or something like that
1: yeah the the common perception of bonds is that uh the government issues bonds to raise revenue to fund its spending that's the common perception, but as we've found out in earlier shows, the real reason uh, bonds exist is to uh, suit monetary policy it, it soaks up excess reserves in the banking system and provides a platform for uh, for interest rates so they really have very little to do with funding government spending if anything at all like just to give an example if the government spent 200 billion dollars into the economy and it taxed a hundred billion dollars back out of the economy it would then say that it needs to sell a hundred billions to, to to make up the difference. So a hundred billion in, in tax uh, revenue and a hundred billion in bonds would then balance their budget of two hundred billion dollars of expenditure into the economy. The perception is that the sale of the bonds funds government spending, but those bonds have to be paid back with interest. So where does that money come from?
0: What you're wondering is where did that extra money come from that was the interest?
1: Well, that money comes from where all money comes from, the Reserve Bank of Australia upon the instruction of the, the government of the day. There, there's no need to sell bonds to fund your spending if you're a currency creator, if you create your own currency. You just issue it, just like we did with JobSeeker and JobKeeper. So this really uh, highlights the question of you know where, where does money come from?
0: Where does it come from? It's that old question. So, Ray, where does that money come from? <laughs> where did that extra money come from?
2: <laughs> well, you, you, you could say the government has a big uh, safe in Canberra and they open up the safe and there's um, $100 billion in coins and notes. <laughs> Is that how it works?
0: <laughs> Josh Frydenberg went out to the back of his garden and dug up a little treasure box <laughs> full of
1: coins. And quite, quite apart from from bonds and interest rates there, et cetera, yeah, we've got an expanding economy. We have... Uh, inflation rate targeted around two or three percent per year. So that means that your money supply needs to grow by two or three percent to maintain its value. And we've been growing our economy, particularly over the last uh, 20, over the last hundred years, by population growth. The more people you have, the more uh, money you need, the the, the larger the monetary base needs to be to service that growing population and maintain that standard of living. So it's, uh, there's this constantly growing. Uh, monetary base and uh, it needs to be uh, explained somehow. While we ponder this, I think we should throw to another track.
2: You're listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet www.3cr.org.au. Mm.
1: I can shake, I can move, I can breathe like a fire in the soul. I can burn, I can grow, I can come, I can go, I can run. We just heard from Dan Kelly with his song, Dan Kelly's Dream. And before that, we heard from the Paper Kites featuring Julia Stone with their song, Without Your Love, which is a new song, which I really like. This week, Anne and I are speaking with Ray, and we're talking about the expansion of the money supply, expanding economies. You have inflation, population growth, GDP growth, and the total economy grows. It gets bigger and bigger the whole time. And the question is, where does the money come from? Because it can't come from the private sector because that's a closed system. In fact, the um, the private sector is going to charge interest, which is going to require there to be more money injected into the economy so that people can pay interest. So as far as I can see, the only organisation that can create the extra currency is the government. And they do that through government spending, and that's called deficits. Now, Interestingly, Anne, I was listening to uh, a minister from the Howard government talking about uh, 2000, the year 2000, because they have the 20 year archives coming out. And they, he was talking about the intergenerational theft, which is to say that this is the whole thing about, um, leaving debt for our children and our children's children and the rest of it the, oh, the one that was...
0: we're such threat bags aren't oh. we our grandchildren we're selling your great-grandchildren to China I know
1: so, <laughs> so, so just let, let me explain now I'm not an expert I'm not an economist but but just follow my logic if if an economy is expanding it requires the government to spend into the economy and not take that money back if you if you have if you need extra money, And the government says we we have a full funding process so that anything that they put into the uh, economy, they have to take back out again. That means you're going to have a flat economy. There's going to be no expansion. Now, we all know that governments run successive deficits and have for a 100 years, and they're always um, saying uh, we need to pay back the deficit, we need to pay back the accumulated deficit, which is the debt. and occasionally they have a year in surplus, but the vast majority of the years are, are always in deficit. And it just seems to me that it seems rather obvious that the deficit is funding the expansion of the economy. And if you asked for that deficit to be paid back, if you asked for the, the total government debt to be paid back, you'd wipe out the economy.
0: Ray and I were talking about this earlier today, and I was mentioning you know the debt clock that's in New York, which is ticking over... The U.S. debt, and I said, "What would happen? What would happen if the people who think that needs to be paid back actually managed to zero out the debt clock? What would happen, Ray? <laughs> I'll put you on the spot.
2: Well, we worked out that it'd crash the economy.
0: There would be no economy. The economy would just go <laughs> <and> disappear <laughs>
2: because to pay it back, you're sucking out, you're sucking out the non-government sector." Government has to pay it back and has to take it out of the non government sector. Through Whatever, taxes billions of dollars or decreased spending. In accumulated yep. deficit. You, if you're calling that debt, and that's totally the wrong word, that's a delusion, but if you call it debt and you say, well, that's a debt, therefore we have to pay it back, you go along to every business, BHP and uh, the corner store and say, we need your share of X uh, hundreds of billions of dollars. And what does that do? They will go broke.
0: <laughs> there is no economy. They disappear. Yeah.
1: But the but the books will balance, you see. And there's this there's this obsession, particularly with the conservatives. But the Labor government has been just as bad in recent years. Wayne Swan was was um uh, was after a surplus. Mm. There's this obsession with getting the books to balance.
0: Mm. So every now and then they manage to do it if they're really obsessed about it. And they've only been obsessed about that since the '70s. And every now and then someone gets to do it. So Costello got to do it for a while. And they only managed to do that because you can't do it year in, year out in the Australian economy. And they were trying to do it before the COVID. Josh Frydenberg and co were trying to balance the budget just before the COVID crisis. And what did all the uh, MMT economists say about that? They said they're never going to get there. (laughs) We're already heading into a recession. If they try and have a surplus, they won't be able to do it because the automatic stabilisers kick in. And that's an economist fancy word for things like unemployment. So if you start making a surplus, that means you're tightening on government spending, which means more people become unemployed, which means more people go on unemployment, which means you actually end up increasing the deficit whether you like it or not. <laughs> so they were never going to get there.
1: But I guess the question is, um, Anne, Ray, I mean, like... Uh, I'm a handyman. Ray, Ray, what, what, what's your, what's been your life's occupation? Uh, well, my background is uh, civil engineering, is principally
2: uh, in the consulting area of the world, project manager of uh, small and large projects.
0: He was telling people how to spend millions of dollars,
2: tracking inflation,
1: estimating ahead. That's good for the economy. And Anne, you're, you've been in administration for years. Uh, how is it that, like this, to me seems rather logical? If the government Funds the expansion of the economy, and we and they're always saying that we need to increase GDP and expand the economy. And then on the other hand, they say, uh, "But we want it all back again to run our surplus, to balance books." Can't they figure out that that's not very, going to be very good for the economy? Um, <laughs> and, and, and can we just stop this this kind of obsession with running surpluses and balancing the budget? We need to find a, a new a new way of phrasing. Uh, a government injection, a deficit is uh, what do you call it? A, a stimulus package is what they call it during the GFC, um, but it, it's a way of uh, stimulating the economy to the degree that it needs to be stimulated.
0: Finding a new word for the word for that word deficit, we were talking. What do you call it?
2: It's a measure of the amount of money going into the economy. It's totally delusional to use the word de- debt. It's got nothing to do with debt. It's just a measure of the amount of money that the government has put into the economy and that has to be put in to the level at which the economy can deal with the amount of money. You can't put in too much because otherwise that's when you start to put pressure on
1: inflation. But it's not debt. You can't put in too little, otherwise you're going to crash the economy. So you've got to try and find that sweet spot, which they say is around about a growth level of about 2 or 3%. And, and that is that is responsible deficit spending. Now, very interestingly, Anne, I heard uh, Josh Frydenberg and Scott Morrison rephrasing the, the, uh, the whole concept of debt the other day. They were talking about uh, how the level of government debt or the deficit, we should say, was at a responsible level compared to GDP. So there's a ratio between your deficit spending and growth in the domestic product. So Mm -hmm. this is a way of them saying this is a responsible way to increase the deficit, Mm -hmm. which is completely contradictory to their previous statement, which is we need to bring the budget into surplus. You can't have it both ways.
0: They've changed their tune, but it's still a neoliberal tune. In fact, I... (laughs) I've got a quote here because I was thinking about this business as well. So Josh Frydenberg, back in September twenty twenty, he had to say a few things ahead of the budget, right? And the reason the reason he has to say these things, I I never heard of this, is because there's this thing called the Charter of Budget Honesty. Have you ever heard of that? It's hilarious. I have heard of it. I have heard so, of it. Okay, so that that's basically the announcement he has to make, which is his fiscal strategy. Okay, so fiscal meaning government spending or the government budget, spending and taxing. So ahead of this budget, they have to publish a fiscal strategy according to the Charter of Budget Honesty. (laughs) And I was reading about what um, Professor Bill Mitchell has to say about this and he calls it the ratio hysteria. (laughs) And he calls this thing, he calls this Charter of Budget Honesty neoliberalana at its best. under an article he wrote called Witch Doctors and Shamans. <laughs> and he calls the whole project, he says, the whole thing's largely a joke. Um, so this is why Josh had to say something back in September. And what he said was, with historically low interest rates, it is not necessary to run budget surpluses to stabilise and reduce debt as a share of GDP, provided the economy is growing steadily. So what he's talking about is that debt to GDP ratio. This ratio hysteria. So, so he's still being neoliberal. Once upon a time, he's talking about surpluses. Now he's changed into another neoliberal coat, which talks about this GDP to debt ratio. And Professor Bill Mitchell says that financial ratios are largely beside the point <laughs> when we are considering a sovereign nation, meaning that. If you issue your own currency, it doesn't matter what the interest rate is because you're the ones who issue the Australian dollars that pay the interest rate.
1: <laughs> but I, I don't think they can have it both ways. And, and, and I don't think they can say um, that, that running debt on deficits is bad, 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 and we need to run surpluses because that's good, good, good. But now this deficit is good. You can't say a deficit is good and bad.
0: Yes, you can.
1: And there been- <laughs> Well, they've been. Well, they can. If, if,
0: if you've got the Murdoch media with you, you can just keep changing your socks. You can say whatever you, you like.
1: <laughs> and when you've got a, a public that has the attention span of a goldfish and forgets what was said last week, then, uh, then you're quite right. Uh, and you've got Murdoch in, in, your, in your back pocket. You can, um, you can indeed say whatever. Like. But it is a complete contradiction of their. Yes,
0: we'll point out that they've been contradicting themselves.
1: <laughs> we need to go back to 2013 when Tony. Abbott started this current government it hasn't cha- we haven't changed government we've still got the same coalition in power now that we had mm. back in two thousand and thirteen when um uh, Gillard and Rudd uh, lost the last election and Abbott came into that election screaming screaming about the the debt and the deficit and how terrible it was and and how mm. we're all going to go to let's not forget <laughs> how we're going to go to rack and ruin and the the biggest issue that was on the table was that we're going to be leaving this this intergenerational theft and we're going to have our kids and our grandkids marooned and, and, and the whole country destroyed with debt and that just seems to have disappeared. And this is the point. They can't Oof. win government on one on the one hand saying that <laughs> on this point and then backflip on, it, backflip on it and just pretend that it's not an issue anymore.
0: Yeah, well. Either
1: it was never an issue in the first place or they're in horrendous <laughs> trouble at the moment.
0: Or oh, they just... Uh, um, are telling us little furfies about what the Australian government can actually do. Can can I read you another Bill Mitchell quote? (laughs) I'm full of Bill today. So tell me when you think you wrote this. This is um, Professor Bill Mitchell commenting on what the Australian government is up to. The truth is that advanced industrial countries have seen a rise in their budget deficits as the automatic stabilisers, that is like the doll, reacted to the collapse in private spending. Then discretionary stimulus packages added to the deficits. So what, (laughs) he says. The unemployment rates are lower than they otherwise would have been, but still too high because the stimulus packages were too small. Economic growth is higher than it otherwise would have been, but still too low because the stimulus packages were too small. Now, when do you suppose Bill would have written that?
1: I'm guessing that that might have been written um, during the GFC. Well fear.
0: done, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> doesn't history, re- but doesn't history repeat itself?
1: That's Absolutely, one. you know. And, and yeah. if he if, could if have he written thought,
0: that yesterday, yeah. if he
1: thought that our response to the GFC wasn't uh, wasn't big enough, wasn't uh, wasn't active enough, then then uh, he would be even far more disappointed in the current uh, current circumstances because a lot of it's unnecessary. It's it's it is just um, a, a way for a government which has to backtrack and backflip and. turn uh, turn around and change its ideology, completely reverse its ideology, Uh, all they're doing is restricting the amount of their hypocrisy. But it's still completely hypocritical to their their previous Mm -hmm. position.
0: Well, it's still neoliberal rationalising. And it's kind of interesting to watch how they do it because they sound like they know what they're talking about. They sound like they're being... um They're being really sincere economic managers in this unfortunate situation, but fortunately interest rates are low, therefore we can do it, blah, 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 blah. And they sound like they kind of are doing what they ought to be doing given the circumstances. That's the way they're playing it. But once you understand how the government issues the currency, then you you realise they are. They're just playing games. 3CR, here to stay.
1: You're listening to Unemployed Workers Fight Back. A show all about the economics and experience
0: of unemployment and underemployment.
1: Here on 3CR Community Radio. One time for the ones who die. You're on 3CR, Unemployed Workers Fight Back. We just heard from Alice Ivy, who I think is fantastic, uh, from her latest album. First song was Ticket to Heaven, and the next song was Money. Kind of appropriate for the show. This week, uh, Anne and I are speaking to Anne's dad, Ray. Anne's up visiting her dad, and uh, her dad, Ray, has kind of embraced the modern monetary theory way of thinking. Ray, you've had a career uh, as a civil engineer, uh, but it seems that uh, the civil engineer's mindset is somewhat predisposed to incorporating MMT into, into your, your world or your economic view. Uh, how does that work?
2: Well, I'm only one of a, you know, a whole generation of engineering types that are involved in project management, and uh, you're always dealing with uh, the cost of things and inflation in certainly my era during the 70s and into the 80s. What I've come to realise is there's sort of a significant parallel. In fact, it's the same thing between what a lot of engineering is about and MMT is ultimately about, and that's the control of inflation from the point of view of MMT, the way in which uh, you deal with um, effectively managing the government deficit. Uh, Engineering is all about management of resources. MMT is about controlling inflation by the management of resources or the application of resources in the economy. I mean, I've lived all my life just being a general observer of the media and politics and not being directly involved in any way. But I've always noticed that the Liberal Party, which has become a Conservative Party, is always beat up on the Labour Party for being bad managers of money and running up the deficit. And then it always seems when the Conservative Party gets into power, they start running up the deficit. And it wasn't until I came across uh, comments that Anne was making that the federal government operates with a fiat currency and there's really no limit to the amount of money the federal government can spend, different from a state government or a council or a, a home or a company, no limit, other than to control inflation. And to control inflation, you need to control the application of resources in the economy. One of those measures is unemployment. Labor is a resource. You've got 10% unemployed. Obviously, there's a capacity for the government to continue to spend to bring down the unemployment level. So I've now realized the unemployment level is government policy.
0: Mm. It's a choice.
2: What a tragedy that is that you run unemployment at 6 or 7%. And the social impact that has across the community.
1: We've discussed many times on this show that the unemployment rate is actually set by government policy and that the government could, if it wanted to, maintain full employment, but it chooses to set an unemployment rate artificially high to put downward pressure on wages, which suits the neoliberal agenda. But it it sounds like you understand uh, uh, unemployment as a resource much the same way that you find other things in your engineering scope as a resource.
2: Well, well, that's right, because when you look at what an economy is, it's all the application of work, like resources. And if you look through what an economy does, there's manufacturing and building infrastructure and all that sort of thing. significant amount of that is run by architectural engineering industries within the building and construction industries and manufacturing industries. It's all resources. It's all the application of resources. Old, old aged care, which you know, isn't going through the Royal Commission thing at the moment. What do they need? They need more resources.
1: Well, if we've learnt one thing from the whole uh, COVID thing, it's um how under-resourced the aged care section is. Yeah, so they just need more trained people. They need more carers.
2: Well, the capacity is there within the economy if you have the policies to develop the resources to meet the needs.
0: Yeah, we were reading um, in the Stephanie Kelton book today, she was talking about how this misunderstanding of what money is and how everyone thinks it's this um, scarce resource itself. When it's not, it's an infinite resource in a sense because it's just a measure when it's a fiat currency. And she was talking about how in America when they did the audit of the infrastructure, there are 15,000 dams that are in danger of failing and endangering people's lives in the USA. Now, if they don't have enough dirt and rocks in the USA to fix that, why are they not doing it? It's because they're beholden to these ideas that the government is running out of money. Amazing.
1: That's a, that's a, a marvellously uh, graphic example of just how dangerous uh, ideology can be, where you have a government that's prepared to put its mm. citizens' lives at risk through dams that might burst through an ideology that is based on nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> they've got the money, they've got the labour, they've got the, uh, the resources, uh, they won't apply them because of a neoliberal ideology. <laughs> It's very interesting how quickly they adopt socialist principles to protect a capitalist framework when it's not working. This has shown that they can chuck money and make a difference and people are saying, well, make that difference now. We've got other emergencies. Let's spend some of that money seriously to reorientate the economy for public good and in the public interest rather than saying, let the market provide. My hope is that they'll be bold with pressure to do things that build a more people-centred and focused future. And, you know, that comes down to us. It comes down to the 3CR listeners, the, the ACF and Friends of the Earth members, the trade unionists. It comes down to everybody that makes a difference and puts in. We need to build on the community that's been developed in the last couple of months and build on some of the smart ideas for a cleaner future.
2: 3CR, your station in struggle and solidarity.
0: To donate go to 3cr.org.au.
2: Melbourne radio station 3CR with Anne and Kev, Unemployed Workers Fight Back program. Great program, great guests.
1: (laughs) Before that, uh, fine endorsement from the Dalai Lama of modern monetary theory, Bill Mitchell. We heard from Sui Zhen with her song, Losing Linda, which was from the year before last. Now that it's 2021, I have to try and remember what year it is. Anyway, it was from not so long ago. But uh, look, Anne, Ray, um, I've been developing a theory, my my theory on on macroeconomics, and I'm not entirely sure whether Bill Mitchell would endorse my theory, uh, unless he's already thought of it, in which case um, that'd be terrific. But I... I suspect that the total government debt over the last century is approximately equal to the growth in the economy. The two would be mm. the two would be very related.
0: We'll call this Kevin's Law. Kevin's, Kevin's Theorem of growth. <laughs> <I've>
1: got a anti <laughs> Python skit coming up, but uh, <laughs> I have this theory, which is mine. And
0: <laughs> so your theory, your theory is that the total growth in any economy. Is, is equal to is
1: directly related Kloster. to the the debt of that the, the so-called debt of that economy that and I'm sure that there's bits and bits and pieces that have been fudged here and there but but I reckon you'll find that if you take any economy and you look at their total debt over a period of time and you look at their total growth over a period of time that you'll find that they are directly related that they are um, proportional
0: you have to think about the external sector which is where your importing and exporting happens.
1: Even if the money goes overseas, it it still has to come from the government.
0: If you're going to be looking at some kind of relationship between the economic growth of a country and its deficit, the thing that's going to throw a spanner into that will be the money that's leaked out of the country.
1: The external sector, yeah. I don't think it matters.
0: When you've bought stuff from other countries, you've sent Australian dollars out.
1: But they can come back again. They They don't disappear.
0: They don't disappear. But they temporarily disappear. Well,
1: no, they, they they wander off overseas. They go for a bit of a holiday, yeah. but they come back again. <laughs> the, the only the only way you can um, uh, cancel out a dollar is is if you're the government and you um, tax you, you tax your, uh, your private sector, uh, and then then that uh, currency is taken out of circulation. But even when it's overseas, it's still in circulation. But I think it's still a fixed a fixed economy. So that's that's my theory. I'm still sticking by my theory: external sector or no external sector. I. <laughs> strongly suspect that any economy that uh, is expanding will have an expansion that's equal to its total debt over a period of time. Mm.
0: Yeah, I'm not buying it, but I'm not sure why I'm not buying it. Sorry, Kevin.
2: (laughs) I think
1: you're um, pretty close to
2: right, but this is an engineer's view of things. (laughs) But um, you're right. Back in, say, 1850 or 1800 or 1900, the economy was a certain size and it, that would be a value that we would look back today and laugh at. It would be the size of a, a pea, whereas today it's the size of a soccer ball. So the the value of what was created then is almost disappeared. And so the soccer ball is all
1: of the deficit since that day. That's what I'm saying. You're, you're, you're as smart as I am, right? That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: I don't, no, what I'm doing, I think I'm affir- I am affirming, I think, what you say.
1: What happens if we're entirely right, guys? What happens if we, non-economists, people who are, were not academics mm. and we're just shooting the breeze and we've come up with this bloody brilliant theory which explains everything?
0: A tradie and an admin assistant and a civil engineer walk into a bar. <laughs> <laughs> And they come up with this economic theory.
1: (laughs) But look, guys, we've actually been chatting for too long. Uh, You know, we've been uh, sitting here talking about I don't know what. Um, uh, (laughs) Who We're going to go. um, There's other shows coming up and uh, we're running out of time. I think Mafalda's coming up next. But uh, look, I'm glad you've been having a good holiday, Anne. I'm glad you've been Mm -hmm. able to catch up with your dad, Ray. It's been uh, terrific talking to you and the rest of it. Um, Nice to meet you, Kevin. But we're going to go. See you later, guys. See you, Kevin
0: been listening to Unemployed Workers Fight Back.
1: Join us the second and fourth Friday of each and every month as part of the Sewer Show on 3CR.
0: Listen to this show as a podcast by going to 3cr.org.au.
1: We thank all our guests, and I thank you, Anne.
0: And I thank you, Kevin.
1: Oh no, the pleasure was all mine.
0: Oh no, Kevin, the pleasure was all mine.